What's up, champs? Welcome back to another installment of the Short Shifts Fantasy Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Burnett. Joining me as always, my pal and yours, Louis Ezekiel. Louis, my friend, how are you doing on this fine, very eerie uh, Tuesday night of hockey action? Yeah, um, you know, I'm doing all right. It reminds me a bit of a night where I recorded with Brian uh, when we found out the NBA was canceling a bunch of games and we started getting real nervous, but uh, games are on mostly as scheduled here tonight. Hopefully they will stay that way. Uh, Certainly we've got a lot to talk about here. Yeah, and unfortunately, I think that there's no other story that we could start with except for COVID, because if you look around the NHL, it turns out that everyone has COVID. Um, At least 15 players added to the COVID protocol today as of this record. I hate that I have to use that qualifier because we could find out about more uh, later on. I I believe that the Canucks are still waiting on tests later on tonight to determine whether their game can go ahead. Uh, Players that were tested... tested positive or were put on protocol today included Brad Marchand, Matt Barzal, Andrei Svechnikov, Devon Taves, Sean Monahan, Jordan Stahl, Craig Smith, Noah Hannafin, several others. Meanwhile, the Predators, who have a game later this week against Calgary already postponed, didn't practice today due to a potential breakout in their team, according to Frank Saravalli. Also, we've seen, and most people listening to this already know, but Carolina and Minnesota's game Tuesday night has been postponed. As I mentioned, we may see another postponement tonight. Fingers crossed that Vancouver's players test negative in the interim. I think, Lewis, you'd agree that the hardest part of preparing for tonight's show was keeping up with all of this COVID news. Even listening to the Keeping Carlson Mega Show yesterday afternoon, it's recorded Sunday. They were talking about all these players from Chicago and Rasmus Anderson and how, you know, these teams that play Monday, you got to get those good streamers in. All of those players at less than 24 hours, their, their outlook was completely different because the the Calgary outbreak happened so quickly. All of a sudden, six players on Calgary were tested positive and they had at least three games shut down. I have to say, like, as just as a fantasy player, as a manager, this is just unfun. Like, there are obviously much more important impacts of the pandemic. I'm not here to to try and whine about the one that that we do the podcast about. It's just that this is supposed to be the thing that we do to take our minds off the crappy parts. And it, it just sucks that we have to instead spend our time keeping our eye on our phone to make sure that our, our roster doesn't have somebody randomly go on the COVID protocol moments before a game. My my other big takeaway here, and this is something I've been worried about the past few days, is I'm just really worried about the transmissibility of the new variant. I mean, Omicron seems like it could impact the NHL's ability to continue its season, even if they push on. The fact that the Flames had six positive cases all at once seems to imply we could be dealing with a situation where cancellations come out of nowhere at the drop of a hat. I just don't know how to advise listeners to handle this. I'm dreading that the show could just turn into a weekly segment where we just list off the new names that are added to the COVID protocol. Yeah, you know, um, this is our third season doing the show, and we hope third time would be the charm, and we could have a, a regular season. It doesn't seem to be that way so far, but like you said, there's obviously more concerning issues to think about than just uh, you know us making our little podcast here. You know, one, I think one takeaway, one piece of fantasy advice that I think we can give is you need to be very judicious about making moves. I think people should be making moves later in the day, you know, follow the news throughout the course of the day. 
um, and you know try to make those moves a little bit closer to uh, puck drop if at all possible. You know that's one benefit I think of the cupful the keeping Carlson ultimate patron fantasy league this year. Uh, moving away from doing fantasy bids that roll over at three in the morning. Um, you know, we can have a little bit more agility uh, deciding on those lineups. So I think that overall has been good, even if it's not my favorite aspect of it. I kind of like doing the fab bids, but, you know, with games being, as you said, you know, potentially canceled at the drop of a hat or players being moved into the protocol, we need to be able to kind of move quickly here and replace players as they need to be replaced. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's a really great point, Lewis, that it is about flexibility. And that is a, a skill that a good fantasy manager needs to show in a regular season. But it seems to be doubly as important uh, heading into our third consecutive COVID-impacted season. Let's try and raise the mood a little bit. I know that for me today was just just brutal on the old mental health. So let's talk about some outjuries. Let's talk about some good news. I'm going to start in Washington, where it seems as though we could be seeing the return of Nicholas Backstrom tomorrow on the precipice of returning from a hip injury. It would be his first time in the Caps lineup this season after pacing for 79 points last year. It was his most productive season in the past five years. I know I'm looking forward to seeing him back on the ice, finally getting him out of my IR slot. He was skating between TJ Oshie and Connor Sherry on uh, on a second line behind the uh, the OV Kuznetsov line in practice on Tuesday. I would expect that he's back in his usual slot on the top power play, uh, of which there is always money in uh, the Washington top power play, to quote a, a fantasy hockey genius that I know personally. I think the big question that I'm seeing a lot on Twitter, though, is what this means for Jenny Kuznetsov. And there are lots of koozie managers who seem stressed by the idea that Backstrom's return could mean that Kuznetsov's hot start will be spoiled. I'm curious to ask you, Lewis, are you worried about Kuznetsov with Backstrom's return seemingly imminent? So I'm not especially concerned. Um, I think that, you know, we've seen this great start to the season. Ovi is in a serious groove, showing great chemistry with Kuznetsov. Um, you know, I know some of those points have come when they've been apart, but I think this is definitely a if it ain't broke, don't fix it sort of thing. We have seen that top power play has, you know, always had kind of that fifth spare part and it really hasn't been set we you know we've seen it shift through protus and sherry and mantha for a minute when he was healthy so it seems to me that you know uh, backstrom will be able to fit right into that top power play spot i'm not worried about that i think that he's got this great uh chemistry going with ovechkin and he's you know been pretty effective uh, away from ovechkin too so no i am not worried i don't think it's time to panic i think he will at least start Kuznetsov uh, will start with um, Ovi, and it'll take a run of lack of success, I would guess, uh, before he moves on. I think there's too much being said about whether or not he ends up playing all of his even strength minutes with Ovi. Like, Nicholas Backstrom has been Ovi centerman. He's been the second line centerman. He's moved all around. He's been able to put up 70 point seasons, regardless of, you know, if he spends. 50% of his time with Ovi or or more. Kuznetsov I is playing really well. I'm not worried about him on off the top line because I think that he'll get great line mates and he'll get put in a position to succeed based on his usage so far. I actually think it's kind of I don't really understand the psychology and worrying so much about whether or not he gets pushed off even because 
ultimately, Washington is a line blender team. We're going to see configurations where Kuznetsov is not a top power play or rather I do I agree with you actually that I think that Kuznetsov is going to be a lock on that top power play because Jacob Verana is gone which was always the player who was it was kind of always between the two of them then when Mantha arrived it was like all right well it'll either be Mantha or Kuznetsov on the top power play with Mantha out with Verana gone there's no real impediment in my eyes to uh to Kuznetsov and Backstrom both being on the top power play. But I'm not that worried about Kuznetsov away from Ovechkin because I think he'll still get lots of opportunity to succeed. And if you are in a league where the Kuznetsov owner freaks out because suddenly they throw out some lines and Kuznetsov's playing with TJ Oshie instead of Ovechkin, and maybe he goes a game without a point, I would, I'd rather buy low than, than panic sell because I assume that another good player arriving is going to impact my currently good player. I think you're fine. Don't overthink it. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. I think that's all that needs to be said. You know, go after him if you can maybe get him, because I think the the panic is overblown for sure. Heading over to Edmonton, we have one other seeming outjury. Mike Smith, a full participant in practice for the Oilers this week. It's also not exactly clear when he'll be back for a game. In his absence, Miko Koskinen has been pretty up and down, I'd say, a 907 save percentage, but he's now over 3 goals against per game. He's in the negatives in goals saved above average on the season after his very unexpectedly hot start, excuse me. Do you think Lewis that Mike Smith can be the guy he was last year pre-injury and follow-up do you think Koskinen's an insta-drop once Smith does get that start I don't know that Koskinen is necessary an insta-drop I think I'd be interested in seeing obviously how Smith performs but I do think that the Oilers are looking for a change I even saw some panicky writing I think on the athletic about whether uh, they needed a change you know maybe to move on from Dave Tippett you know that all seems a little overblown to me but certainly you know they've been in a bit of a slide and I do think that maybe making a change in goal could be the thing that sparks, um, you know, that sparks the sort of turnaround that they're looking for. You know, if they're less concerned about having to come back and help protect Koskinen, if Smith is providing them with some decent goaltending, uh, then we may be able to see that offense start to open up a little bit again. So I think when I would be ready to drop Koskinen is when Smith has a good outing and then gets the start for the next game as well. I think that's when you can start looking at Koskinen as someone you could potentially cycle out. I might even want to see Smith get like three starts in a row just because I'm worried about Mike Smith is going to turn 40 this season and he's coming off a soft tissue injury that kept him out that lingered and got uh, he re-injured himself multiple times. The idea to me that we're just going to that anyone would just be like, yeah, no, it's it's just fine. He's he's the guy he was in his age 39 season for sure. And it's going to be fine when he comes back. I don't understand that at all. I would be very concerned about Mike Smith. Um, And honestly, I I do own Koskinen in the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League, the Cupful. I'm not going to drop him until, like I said, I've seen a stretch of games long enough for me to say, all right, Mike Smith is definitely at least holding this for the short term, I'm going to move on. And I mean, it's helpful to have a bad team in which I can, I can hold Koskinen and not worry that I'm, you know, letting somebody else who is very good go instead. I have, I got plenty of bad players to drop Lewis. So I'm, I'm going to hold on to Koskinen for now. Um, but uh, yeah, Mike Smith, when he returns, I'm not ready to buy in at the level that he was at pre-injury. 
All right. Well, definitely interested in following this saga here. Speaking of sagas, let's talk about the tale of Sasha Barkov trying to get back into the lineup. He was able to play and very effective, um, but he is now moved to IR. Uh, This is going to require him to miss at least seven days from the last game, so he would be eligible to return on Thursday. However, there doesn't seem to be a ton of indication that that is going to be the case. Uh, Currently, Florida is running Huberto, Bennett, and Reinhardt. Um, have had some success that line here on Tuesday night, but they uh, are really getting run up and down the ice by Ottawa. Uh, as of the time of this recording, it looks like it is a 6-2 to two lead for Ottawa. Spencer Knight just getting perforated here. Uh, he's going to need some sunblock to protect himself from that goal light going off so frequently. Um, nothing really to say here except this is an upper body injury supposedly that is unrelated to the knee injury we have seen this a fair amount so far this season where players have come back only to leave again with another separate injury Uh, we saw it happen with Nazem Kadri so you can check that off your box for Kadri mentions on short shifts Um, you know I wonder if there's anything to this happening so frequently this season or if it just happens to be a bit of a uh, outlier here, just a coincidence, but something to keep an eye on. Um, another injury to take a look at is uh, Zach Hyman is out, uh, at least for Tuesday night, though Dave Tippett indicated the injury may be minor earlier in the week. Uh, Hyman has 19 points in 26 games for a 60-point pace, uh, but again, we got to remember that that was mainly fueled by a point-per-game stretch through his first 10 games played. In his absence, we had hoped that we might potentially see uh, Zach Cassian gets some time uh, on the right side with Dreisaitl and McDavid, but the lines look different uh, here at the start of the game against Toronto. Uh, right now, it looks like Fogel, McDavid, and Puglia Jarvi are on the first line with Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl, and Yamamoto on a second line. Uh, so keep your eyes on how those lines develop. Of course, it's always interesting to have a player who is up on the top line with McDavid, um, but they have, as we said, been in a little bit of a slump lately. So I would not necessarily be rushing out to grab Fogel. Puyajarvi, obviously, is probably owned in most leagues already. Uh, so, you know, I, I take a wait-and-watch approach, especially because your moves are going to be absolutely precious here uh, in a week where it seems like you're going to have a lot of need to, to you know, uh, fill in for some of these players. I'm I'm with you, Lewis. I'm definitely not super excited to hear that Warren Fogel has taken over on the top line, but I guess the fact that he's with McDavid and Dreisaitl means that I would give him a shot um, if I needed a streamer or, you know, I had a, for whatever reason, had an unexpected hole in my lineup uh, on a random Tuesday evening. Can't imagine what could cause something like that. Uh, Lewis, we need to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get into the streak section. You're listening to Short Shifts. Well, Lewis, it's getting into the middle section, the exciting part of the NHL season, and that means that a lot of folks are starting to look for tickets to the upcoming season of NHL action. There's no need to exhaust yourself, though, searching all over the internet for tickets to see your favorite hockey team play, and that's because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to. For all tickets, for NHL hockey, concerts, NFL, NBA, you name it, TickPick's got it. We're getting deep enough into the season now that contenders are starting to emerge, and honestly, it's December, it's getting dark earlier, it's very cold on the east coast of Canada. Every time uh, it gets to this type of temperature, I start to fantasize about a, a warmer 
warmer locale, get some sun on me. And uh, every time I think about that, I, I just think about how cheap it is to go see games down in Florida. Later this week, uh, at least we're currently scheduled to see a Colorado-Tampa Bay game. Probably two teams a lot of people had on their preseason Stanley Cup predictions list. This weekend, they'll meet in what could be a finals preview. And if you want to be there to enjoy that game in person, you've got to head to TickPick.com to get your seats. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NHL hockey tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Visit TickPick today at TickPick.com slash Carlson. Lewis, we are back and ready to get into some hot, hot streaks. Why don't you start us off uh, with a couple of players down in Colorado? All right. Well, while there's probably no place hotter than uh, being in goal right now for the Florida Panthers, (laughs) Uh, we do want to talk about a couple of hot streaks here. How about a couple of guys down in Colorado? You know, one thing I've been noticing is I see these goals coming across. You know, they had that outstanding week last week. Uh, and the defense are definitely chipping in. I mentioned in the Discord chat uh, for keeping Carlson patrons last week that I, I noticed that Colorado had three opponents on the back end of a back-to-back, all except their game against Florida, and that the Avs might get 25 goals on the week. Uh, Florida stymied them, however. The only team last week that prevented them from scoring seven goals, only three, it was enough for them to win. But especially now that Devon Taves is out and on COVID protocol, it's uh, probably safe to assume that he's going to be out for the full 10 games. Uh, I think it might be worth looking at a couple of these defensemen. One not very widely available is Sam Gerrard, who's 67% rostered. He's got six points in his last seven games. He's averaging a bit over two shots a game over that time, seeing second power play time, which is, you know, a nice power play. Uh, and has provided about a hit and a block per game as well. He Obviously, he's owned in a lot of leagues, but if he is still hanging around, I would be quick to snap him up, especially with Taves out on COVID protocol. I think that's going to open up some additional time for other defensemen. Gerard got up to 27 minutes in a recent game. Uh, you definitely like to see that kind of deployment, especially for a defenseman, gives them more of an opportunity to rack up some of those peripheral stats. Uh, the other is Eric Johnson, another guy well-versed in racking up peripheral stats at 35% rostered. He's got four points in his last four games. Both of these are previous to Tuesday night's results. Uh, And while he's averaging less than two shots a game, he is a reliable source of hits and blocks for folks in categories leagues. You know, I will say we should be a little concerned because if the Predators lose their game against Colorado this week, that will leave Colorado with only two games this week. Uh, However, they are one of only five teams that will play seven games uh, over the two-week matchup on Yahoo uh, for the week that is broken up by uh, the break for Christmas. Uh, So that might be something maybe to keep an eye on uh, over the long term. Uh, At some point during that time, Devontae may make his return. Yeah, I think Gerard is a little more likely to get in on some points. Um, But definitely, if I'm in a baggers league, I'm going to take a look at Johnson. I think he might end up being more valuable, you know, by the end of that two-week matchup, uh, just because he's going to be able to rack up more hits and blocks. And I think that'll give you a little bit better cross-category coverage. Another player on a hot streak 
You know, a lot of the players, as I scrolled through the Frozen Tools hot players list, were the kind of players who were 80-90% owned already. But one down at about 31% rostered is Travis Konechny. And while most of the discussion post-coaching change has rightly been focused on the resurgent Canucks, Philly has actually been pretty decent since Mike Yo took over. Uh, a little bit more than just the dead cat bounce that I was giving them credit for last week. And one beneficiary appears to be Travis Konechny, who has been lining up with Sean Couturier and Scott Lawton at even strength and playing on the first power play. He's put together a streak of five points, all assists, including three on the power play over the last four games, not counting Tuesday night's results. Uh, He's only averaging two shots a game over that span, but he's also yet to be rewarded on his last 26 shots and counting. So he may be due, as Dave of the stream scheme would say. Uh, He's got at least two shots on Tuesday night already, so maybe he'll have cashed in by the time you listen to this show. Only a few minutes left there in that game, but uh, that's someone I would definitely take a look at. Many frustrated owners may have let him go, um, but we're seeing a little bit more offense unleashed in Philly under the Yo regime. So uh, here's hoping that they can keep it up. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you. Konechny is a guy I want to keep an eye on because of his age and his potential to break out. I think it's interesting, too. You're seeing Konechny and Couturier play with Scott Lawton. I want to talk a little bit about Cam Atkinson as well before we get out of here because Atkinson is working on a four-point night tonight in a blowout of New Jersey. But Atkinson, playing with Claude Giroux and Oscar Lindblom, I think we're seeing a little bit of the the two anchor points with the uh, the bit of the passenger in the, as the third player. Not that I think of Lawton and Lindblom as, as passengers in a complete way, but definitely not going to drive the offense of those lines. It's the same thing on the third line where we're seeing JVR and Kevin Hayes maxed up with matched up with Max Willman. I guess maxed up with Match Willman uh, wanted to come out of my mouth. Um, so I, I do think there's something interesting there about the way that we're seeing uh, seeing Philly's usage under Mike Yeo. But Cam Atkinson, a guy, seven shots tonight, three goals and an assist. It's one of those interesting situations, Lewis, where he came into the night looking cold or, you know, definitely not impressive. Five points in his last eight All of a sudden, he's got nine points in his last nine games. So it does depend on how you want to look at it, how you want to split those stats up. He is rocking three shots per game, pacing for 58 points over an 82-game season. And now he's down to 44% rostered on Yahoo. At this point, Lewis, are you willing to grab Atkinson to see if you can cash in on the magic here while Cam is hot? Yeah, obviously, it depends on who's at the bottom of your roster right now. But I tell you, the bottom of my roster is a bunch of sludge that I dragged off the bottom to stick in there to cover up for all of my injuries that I've been enjoying. So I'm definitely interested. He's the kind of guy who can really just go off. Um, You know, we've seen some very streaky scoring from Atkinson. So he certainly could give you nothing, but he could give you a four point night like we saw here. Um, I think it's worth taking the risk here, especially if they're up against, you know, some of these teams with suspect defense and goaltending like uh, New Jersey. Certainly they're going to have opportunities against a team like that. All right, Lewis, we've gotten to the end of another short shift, and I'm thinking this one might be a bit of a longer shift. I want to thank everyone for sticking with us tonight, and I want to thank you for joining me. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for listening. Yep. All right. Let's bring it home. Thanks all for joining us. Please give us a follow at ShortShiftsKK on Twitter, as well as Brian and Elon at Keeping Carlson, Dave Benton of the Stream Scheme at NHL Stream Scheme. Also recommend you follow at GameDayLines, at GameDayGoalies, and at GameDayNews. Please visit the great sites where we research our episodes at Yahoo! 
Frozen Tools, Natural Static, and Cuphole.com. Our intro and outro music was created by Pat Roach. And until we see you next time, play smart and keep your shifts short.